Hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to the Kaijin Digital Insights webinar on From Data to Biological Insight Using Kaijin CLC Single Cell Module and Kaijin IPA Single Cell Sequencing of Human Fetal Liver. My name is Mary Ann. I'm the Global Campaign Manager for Kaijin Digital Insights, and I'll be your host and moderator today. So we are glad to have you here, and I'd like to thank everyone for your patience with our technical issue last week and needing to reschedule. As we go through the webinar, please use the Ask Question panel on the left side of your screen to post any questions that you have, and then we'll address them during a Q&A session at the end of our presentation. If you have any issues, such as you can't hear or you can't see the slides, since this is a window-based webinar browser, um, all you can do need to do is try refreshing your window, and hopefully that will correct any issues. So today, I'd like to introduce our speaker, Dr. Jean-Noël Bio. Jean-Noël is a senior principal scientist here at Kaijin Digital Insights. Before joining Kaijin, Dr. Bio joined Ingenuity Systems in 2008 as a staff scientist for in silico research program in oncology and infectious diseases. He holds a PhD in blood cell biology and completed his postdoctoral work at the Scripps Research Institute in San Diego, California, where he studied the impact of feline immunodeficiency virus and Borna disease on brain cells. Jean-Noël pursued his career at the Vaccine Research Institute of San Diego, where he co-developed a universal vaccine platform using the core antigen of the hepatitis B virus to target infectious diseases and metabolic diseases in cancer. So before I hand this over to Jean-Noël, I just want to remind you, please ask any questions that you have um, and enjoy the session. So I'll now hand things over to Jean-Noël. Thank you, Marianne. Um, welcome, everybody. And again, I uh, concur to what Mary has said. Um, we had a, a little technical glitch that uh, makes the audio impossible to pass. So that was making us uh, uh, difficult. And, and we are very sorry and apologize for uh, the delay. Hopefully, you are going to enjoy the talk today. The, the, the summary of the talk is how a biologist like me can use all the uh, software for secondary analysis and tertiary analysis that we have co-developed at Kaijen Digital Insight to um, provide information on single cell sequencing. We have selected um, cases developed by one of our colleagues. So before going any further, uh, just to inform you that uh, legal disclaimer, everything I'm going to show today is for molecular biology application. It's really important to say that this is not about clinical and uh, therefore every tool and software I'm going to show you today help you to explore the biology, uh, confirm what you know, discover new things bring hypotheses to the table for validation. So that's really a mindset that we have. So why would you explore the cellular landscape of a fetal human liver using single cells? First of all, you can answer a couple of questions that are really important. 
what cell types comprise the normal fetal human livers. How many distinct cell types are there in that representative tissues? What gene expression markers can distinguish cell types within each other within the liver? Is there any biology that are shared by these cell clusters in the single cell RNA data? For instance, what are the molecular pathways that we can highlight? What is the transcriptional program between code that underpin each of these cell types? And we can push a little further with the technology we have right now and the features we have developed. We can look at additional biological informations that are uh, provided by comparing your own analysis to a set of 90,000 other comparison expressions that we have gathered over the years. And like that can provide information about, let's say, cell-specific signature in hepatocytes by comparing these hepatocytes versus other to the rest of the universe, if I can call that the universe. A brief agenda, I would like to show you what is uh, what we say about the sample to insight at Kaijin. This is really our motto. Uh, we try to provide uh, any necessary kit and, essay and softwares to equip the scientist to uh, um, do his own business. And I will show that in a moment. Then after, we are going to show you how we can process the data using the CLC genomic workbench um, and how we can easily uh, go from the FASTQ file to uh, send the data to IPA. Then once in, it's in IPA, we are going to explore the biology. We are going to discover some hidden biology between quotes and bring some conclusion to the table. So this is a sample to insight solutions that Kaizen is working very hard to uh, provide. It's, it's, it's a biological ecosystem, if you wish, from the collection of the sample, extraction of nucleic acids to the library prep, and up to the data analysis and interpretation, we provide a series of uh, tools that are very, very interesting for biologists. Today, I'm going to speak about a little bit of the CLC genomic workbench, which will be used to process the FASTQ file of the single cell. Then we are going to look at some interpretation using a Kaizen ingenuity pathway analysis and omics of land explorer. So it's very powerful for me to, from the table, be able to analyze this file coming from the sequencing and giving some interpretation, bringing some hypothesis for further validations. So the example we are going to use today has been uh, um, developed and uh, published by one of our colleagues, Doreen, uh, which is an expert in bioinformatics and biology, and they have published that paper in Nature in 2019. It's a fantastic paper. This paper goes much further than what I'm going to show today, but please read it. It's a lot of information. So they have used uh, human developmental tissues uh, um, according to ethical rules. They have dissociated uh, the tissue using collagenase, and they have uh, uh, obtained these single cells that, uh, uh, that have been collected. They use a single cell sequencing protocol uh, using reverse transcription, amplification of the cDNA, a library prep, and they use chromium uh, single cell 3 prime V2 chemistry to do that from 10x genomics. The sequencing has been done using iSeq 4000, then they aligned to the genome B38 and using CellRanger single cell software for the processing. On our, in our case, we have used the same alignment to B38, but we have used Kaizen CLC. The quantification has been using the RSCM, and we have provided some dimension reduction using uh, UMAP in that particular case. 
So it's a very powerful tool, a powerful uh, publication. I really recommend guys you to read. So what's happened? When we gather the single cell RNA-seq FASTQ file and of the metadata, it's, it's basically a very simple stepwise process. We have uh, uploaded all these files, and we are going to use uh, the versions called premium uh, of genomic workbench, which include that single cell module analysis. And when the data is processed, we are going to send that to APA. That includes now analysis match and land explorer, and I will explain a little bit later, for the biological interpretation. It's very easy to use. And it's so easy that I can even do that uh, by sending my data and the workflow in the cloud. I didn't need to uh, have been done on my laptop. So I can close my laptop, start the processing, everything is done in the cloud, and the workflow that has been created by a CLC are ready to go as well. And this is the workflow. <clears throat> so there's a lot of uh, uh, things that you can modify, but basically you have an input, which is the FASTQ file, and through a series of stepwise, you have some annotations, some trimming, you analyze the uh, single cell analysis, you QC it, you bring some uh, a prediction uh, cell type tool called a V1 classifier for the, that first step version, you normalize the data, and you have some output that are very uh, cool, such as heat map, dot plot, and differential expression analysis. So that workflow is ready to use. You can easily modify each of these boxes, add more things. And you notice we have an iterate and collate processes because we have multiple time points, multiple samples, so it's easy to uh, process uh, that way. This is what, what, what I have on my, on my uh, uh, interface. So <clears throat> because we have... Uh, uh, using the cloud engine. I have a, a S3 bucket on Amazon in that case, and all the files, the FASTQ file, were there, were pair uh, ended. Uh, I select them, then I show you just a quick, quick screenshot of what the process will be. It's an iteration because there was multiple uh, samples, multiple time points, and, and we are going to process it using B38. The gene and the um, RNA model is using the ensemble V99. And as I say, we are using the single cell human cell type classifier version one. This is a new release that single cells. So we are at that stage. We are going to implement update in the coming release. And it's just a screenshot of the what we call the workflow metadata. It basically shows a, a stepwise uh, um, uh, analysis of what is being done, the annotation, the trim, the analysis per se, the QC, and many other things. Here, this is the normalized single cell data, and I click on that, and you have that windows. And you can see you are going to recognize many of the output that we are going to use, the dot plot, the heat map, the TSNI. You can use TSNI. I've selected UMAP, and many other things that you uh, want to do using that tool. I'm not going to do a live demo today for, uh, for simple reason. I don't want uh, the presentation being failing by a glitch on the internet. This is one of the two outputs for the expression plot we have. You recognize the heat map and the dot plot. So the heat map is, as usual, um, here selected based on the CD45 phenotype. The, uh, the group that have uh, done that papers have uh, selected uh, on a fax scan the CD45 positive versus the CD45 negative. Basically, it brings you all immune cells and, and all the other parenchymal cells, so the cells that are residents and particularly 
specific to the liver. And you can see, so in green, this is the CD45 negative. In purple, the CD45 positive. You recognize many of these genes and the cluster of them. And um, the higher the red color is, the more intense the expression of these genes are. The same things for the dot plot. This is all the condition we have. It's based on um, 7 to uh, 17 post-conception weeks of these uh, fetal uh, uh, human livers. And here I have selected the CD45 positive versus CD45 negative phenotype to highlight a couple of key uh, genes. Obviously, the higher the red color is, the more intense and the bigger the circle is, it's uh, the higher the number of cells express that gene. So you recognize, for instance, that at eight weeks in the CD45 negative, you have a lot of genes that are really specific to the liver, these HbA1, A2, and so on. So the very convenient tool to give you a snapshot of what is really important in terms of genes and their specificity according to the phenotype. And this is the meat of the, of the tool. And I think it's a beautiful and very easy, looks complex, but it's a very easy system. When you have processed all of that, you can get a uh, dimension reduction UMAP. And here, this is a UMAP of 18 samples. You see these 18 samples here. They are time point, nine time points. And obviously, there's the CD45 and CD45 negative. So that UMAP is the representation of the fetal human liver from 7 to 17 post-conception weeks. But I simplify just to show you that we can do a lot of things using the coloring system in the uh, single cell analysis module. I just selected, based on the phenotype of the CD45 positive here, basically all immune cells here, and all these CD45 negative, which are in blue or bluish, are uh, um, non-immune cells. They are the uh, parenchymal cells uh, from the liver. For the convenience of the talk, I'm not going to do, look at all these different, uh, different expression analysis. I'm going to select only one time point, the 14 post-conception weeks. And this is the UMAP of all the cell type I-14 uh, um, post-conception weeks. And I'm going to use that for uh, doing the analysis. So I'm talking about the CD45. Uh, that CV45 is encoded by the PTPRC gene. It's a, a protein tyrosine phosphatase. And using a tool that we have uh, attached to uh, IPA called the Land Explorer, it's just basically when you click on the gene view CD45, you have many uh, hyperlinks that you can click. One of them is the GTEx or the blueprint. I click at the blueprint. That blueprint, it's a land uh, of data set that encompass basically malignant and non-malignant hematopoietic cells. And what it helps me to do is defining where that CD45 is expressed in what type of cells. So as you can tell, this is based on the log 2 transform expressions, FPKM, the neutrophil high, highly expressor of the CD45, but many T cells as well, right? And on the bottom one, you have some endothelial cells that barely express that CD45. So in a very quick uh, click, you can see where that gene is expressed that we have talked about that serves for the sorting process of that single cells. Okay. This is the uh, UMAP based on the cell type identification. So we have multiple principles. Obviously, uh, the team at uh, CLC has developed 
uh, and um, implemented the Leiden clustering system to allow uh, the representation of the different cell type within that uh, uh, sample of nine time points. Here, I'm just showing you the cell type that have been discovered, and you can obviously retrain the system to make sure this is exactly what you think it, what it should be. And here in color code, you have the representation of the different uh, cell type that you have in the UMAP here. So the Kupfer cells are heavily represented, obviously. This is the pack here. And many other things, including early erythroid cells, macrophages, and you name it. So it's a very convenient system, and you can click uh, any of these different boxes, highlight that, and highlight genes. That's what I've done here. I wanted to look at one gene, and then you, in particular, uh, uh, very important for the hepatocyte themselves. The hepatocytes are shown here. And I found in using the normalized matrix that genes of importance for me, which is called SLC2A2, which is basically a glucose transporter, if you wish. That gene is highly specific as indicated in that UMAP by the coloring in red of hepatocytes, uh, at least some hepatocyte clusters here. You can determine the number of cells that express that genes, 941 on these 120,000 cells we had, and we can look at the different expression level according to the different cell type. So it's very easy, it's very interactive. You go on the, on the matrix, you click on the gene of interest you have, and it will show that to you on the UMAP. What really important too is you can, from the get-go, look at the differential expression analysis. Once you have defined your cell type of interest and you're really confident this is what they are based on gene markers, for instance, you can implement comparison between these cell types. That's what we have done here. So you can do a, a lot of things. Remember, uh, there was uh, nine time points. There is something like 27 cell type that has been discovered. I have selected very few of them, eight, and I look at a couple of time points, and I'm going to do a comparison of, of this cell type versus others based on the age. So I have selected uh, different time points. I'm going to show you the 14 weeks, but this is what the window is showing you here. Uh, we have the seven weeks, the eight weeks, 17 weeks for Kupfer cells versus the rest of the cell type that we have selected. That window shows you that from the CLC, when you have set up your differential expression analysis, you can directly implement and transport and uh, send an automatic signals to IPA for uh, making the upload of the data set and the uh, analysis using the cutoff that you have selected here. So it's very easy. So let's go to IPA. This is the IPA uh, background here. Um, I'm going to show you a couple of features, four of them. This is the first one that I think very key, very important, very helpful for the biologists to go through. Uh, we know there is a, a humongous uh, level of data, and I think it's very clear uh, for uh, us to provide some kind of summary. The graphical summary is one of them. Here, you have a representation of the graphical summary of hepatocyte versus the rest of the cells and the comfort cells versus the rest of the cells. That graphical summary, if you wish, is um, a quick overview of the main biological entities that you have in your own analysis, right? And they are connected using a machine learning algorithms that allows us to connect what we think is the most important predicted entities in your uh, analysis. And these entities could be of many types. They could be a disease and function, they could be a canonical pathways, or they could be simply a genes. 
But what's key here is uh, we are able to prioritize the connections between the genes based on findings, but sometimes we can connect genes that are no known findings in our uh, Kaizen knowledge graph. This is an example. Here, if you click on that, there is no known findings as of now, as we know now in our knowledge base. So it's called an infer connections. I think it's beautiful because these graphical summaries allow us to quickly see the specific cellular function of the hepatocytes, for instance, that have a tremendous role in metabolisms. Two of them are shown here. And the for cells themselves in representation in the immune response um, impact here. So this graphical summary quickly gives you an overview of what you have in your analysis. And I'm going to give you some kind of a, um, reminder for two of the functions, the analysis match and the activity plot. But I'm going to present you a new function, the new features that we are going to release at the end of June called Pattern Search. And this is a reminder because sometimes people could, could be uh, confused, and I think it's key to use them correctly. Analysis match is the possibility of comparing your own analysis and the pattern of prediction in your own analysis about upstream regulator, canonical pathways, causal network, disease and function, to the rest of 90,000 comparison expressions that we have in our bank in IPA. So you are comparing the profile of prediction, if you wish. The activity plot uh, helps you to answer the questions where uh, a particular entity, such as a, a particular transcription factor, where is it activated? Where is it inhibited? In what type of conditions? And I'm going to use that as well here. And the pattern search seems to be more obvious. It basically, you have a, a network, any kind of network you can imagine, with up and down genes and their, and, and their uh, uh, profile of expression. And you are going to see where that profile match, in what type of other analysis do you find that exact pattern. So it's a pretty cool uh, set of tools that I'm going to demonstrate right now. So first of all, uh, we were looking at 14 weeks, as I said, uh, post-conceptions. I have selected three important uh, cell types in that liver. The hepatocytes, obviously, which is the first colon here. The Kupfer cell, which is the uh, resident macrophage, if you uh, wish, in the liver. And the hepatic stellite cells, which are very particular to the liver itself. Here, we are comparing the canonical pathways called the signaling pathways, basically what we used to call a signaling cascade. And here, all the metabolic pathways. I represented, uh, represented here the metabolic pathways just for hepatocyte versus others, just to confirm that hepatocytes, even in the fetal human liver, have a tremendous role in the metabolisms from cholesterol biosynthesis to estrogen and many others. That view represents uh, the enrichment of these different pathways and as well their activity or the prediction of activity. You see orange color. Orange throughout the tool means an increase of uh, a prediction of activation or increase, and a blue will mean a prediction of decrease or uh, inhibitions. So that's the main rules here. So for the signaling pathways, I've highlighted a couple of arrows I think are important just to show you that we are in a real in a real situation. The hepatocytes, I have highlighted the LX uh, activation canonical pathways and the xenobiotic metabolic pathway, just to show you that in that fetal human liver at 14 weeks, they are predicted to be activated. Everything makes sense so far. And I wanted to show you another 
type of pathway that are highly specific to the hepatic stellate cells, which is the hepatic fibrosis sinine pathways. It's predicted to be activated. We know that these cells have a role in the induction of fibrogenesis. So, so far, everything is okay. But there is a new pathway that we have detected here called the ferroptosis sinine pathways. It's predicted to be activated in the Kupfer cells here. And I'm going to use one of the tools to understand where that pathway is activated in what other conditions. And remember, we have talked about these three things. I'm going to look at the activity plot per se today to answer the question where that ferroptosis canonical pathway is activated. What are the other conditions? So briefly on the left, you have a screenshot of that gigantic pathway. It's a, it's a pathway that induces, uh, based on iron, uh, cell deaths, and it's due to an increase of lipid peroxidations. That increase of lipid peroxidation leads to a cell death by iron dependence phenomenon called ferroptosis. We know that Kupfer cells, by the way, have a very important role in iron metabolism. So uh, I was not surprised, per se, to see the ferroptosis being highlighted. Okay, so now we are looking at the activity plot on the right here. And this is a, a gathering of uh, over 13,000 analyses in which we have detected the ferroptosis either being increased or being decreased based on the z-score here. And I just ask a simple question, and we're going to look at the enrichment, if you wish, of the metadata, of the keywords, where that guy is uh, increased because it's new to me. So we have a new bank of data called a single cell line, very powerful. I have just selected that, and I have the questions where, uh, um, which type of cells increase that ferroptosis, in which conditions. So if you look and evaluate what we call the metadata, basically scanning all the keywords, the enrichment of keywords in that uh, window here, which will be shown here, you realize that the main cell type are macrophages. Remember, the comfort cells are a resident macrophage of the liver. So what we see when we look at enrichment, we detect that the ferroptosis is activated, promoted by macrophages big time. We know that the ferroptosis, by the way, it's a defense mechanism against tumor. And we know that the effectors are immune cells, which are the macrophages here. So in, in two clicks here, I could say in which conditions the ferroptosis are activated and even which cell type. I have selected the cell type. I could have asked many other questions by filtering here. Now we can understand the transcriptional driver specificity in that liver at 14 weeks. So here, this is a representation of the upstream regulator analysis comparison. Again, the same type, the same cell type, hepatocytes, hepatic stellate, and Kupfer cells here. Orange predicted to be activated, blue predicted to be inhibited. So I just pointed on the left all these different arrows that indicate to me that this particular transcription factor, HNF1-alpha, PPAR coactivator 1-alpha, SBRF1, PPAR coactivator 1-beta, are all predicted to be activated in the liver in normal conditions. They are really important in the lipid metabolism. So it's a check, it's a confirmation of my data. Everything is, seems to be uh, sane and healthy in that liver. But I have highlighted two others, one specific for the hepatic stellate called the uh, um, MRTFA, which is myocardin-related transcription factor alpha, which is predicted to be activated in the hepatic stellate cells versus others. And one factor that, um, uh, to be honest, was new to me, called the MLX-IPL, which predicted to be inhibited in the Kupfer cells. 
So let's look at these two factors here and here. So the first one, uh, we predicted that uh, that particular factor, MR, TFA, is predicted to be active. We know that because it's based on the uh, uh, genes that are known to be downstream of that particular factor. And all these genes are predicted to be are upregulated, and based on that pattern, we plausibly could explain that only if that factor is predicted to be activated. So that's one uh, strong hypothesis that you can probably test in the lab. If you um, use a, a feature called grow to disease, I'm asking the question to highlight what would be the most significant uh, statistically function that can be uh, added here to that network. The function that I found very important is fibrogenesis. So right now, when you have that uh, transcription factor predicted to be activated, again, based on that pattern of expression, of the gene downstream, we think that the fibrogenesis will be predicted to be increased as well. Because we have that relationship with the UMAP and we can do a lot of things, have a look at the expression of that particular gene, which is predicted according to us in hepatic stellates. But unfortunately, it's weakly, weakly expressed, as you can tell, in the hepatic stellates. It's a little bit more expressed in the uh, set here, which is the endothelial cells here. So that's very important to look the, uh, uh, the understanding and the relationship of what you see expressed and what you predict as activated. This is one case here. Let's go to that uh, second transcription factor called the MLX-IPL. We know it's predicted to be inhibited in copper cells, as I have indicated here. And this is the network. It's a very simple network. And I just was curious to see where that uh, particular guy is expressed. Again, it's weakly expressed in the Kupfer cells, a little bit more probably than that guy in hepatic stellates. But it's also strongly expressed in one of the clusters of the hepatocytes. So if you scan all the findings we have, you discover that, uh, in particular, that that uh, gene is an oncogene. And it's asso uh, associated with a poor prognosis in hepatocellular carcinoma. So it's a good news here in the fetal human liver that, in fact, that uh, uh, factor is predicted to be inhibited. Okay, now I'm going to use a very important new features we have developed is the pattern search. So basically looking at a network of interest and it's a, a set of expression up and down regulations and look where does it match? What other analyses um, uh, find that exact pattern? So to do that, I was looking at one particular uh, induced uh, transcriptional program by the uh, chemokine receptor, CCR2. And we know, according to our upstream regulator analysis, uh, being predicted to be activated in hepatic stellate cluster. This is the network of interest, right? Uh, some of genes are upregulated, some are downregulated. Based on that, we predict that CCR2 is predicted to be activated. So again, before going to the, uh, go to the next slide uh, and look at that pattern search, I wanted to ask the question where that guy is expressed because we have that UMAP, we can use it. It's uh, weakly expressed in what we call the myeloid conventional dendritic cell uh, type 2, some macrophages, and I'm not showing, but it's not expressed at all in the hepatic stellate. Okay, that's an observation to uh, take in account. We can ask another question, where that guy is expressed and where is it upregulating in what type of liver disease? So to do that, going to the gene view of uh, IPSCCR2, you find some links and go to what we call the land explorer that gives you a particular type of data set, the human disease. So encompassing all data set we have explored 
and curating and normalize called human disease, basically non-cancer, using the B37 gene. And you see that that gene, the CCR2, is upregulated big time in uh, liver disease. HCV, non-alcoholic fatty liver, uh, HCC, and many others. So from one, one tool to another, you can see where is it expressed, when is it expressed, in what type of conditions. But my point today was, I'm looking at that pattern, that particular pattern, and I would like to know where do I find that pattern. So I click on that button called Pattern Search, and this is what you're going to obtain. You're going to open a window like that with the name of the network. I didn't name precisely, so it says CCR21. This is the network I've shown in a previous slide. And here, this is based on enrichment and this score. On the right, you are going to look at the pattern that match, and on the left, you are going to look at the pattern that do not match, that are different. So remember, the hepatic stellate, it's a cell involved in fibrogenesis. And I'm going to ask the question using uh, selecting the IRZ score, so on the right. So I'm looking at this very high level. And I'm going to ask the question, what does it look like? When, when, when I have that exact CCR2 network that I've shown you in a previous slide, what does it look like? Well, if you ask that metadata and, and you scan, you evaluate it, you look for and on rich keywords, you realize that it's a strong fibroblast signature. The cell types are fibroblast trauma, fibroblasts are a type of stroma cells. All the keywords that you can see are all around uh, uh, um, fibroblast and, and, and stroma cells. So basically, the network you have seen in the previous slide, in fact, resembles the fibroblast signatures. It's good news. Again, hepatic stellate are involved in the induction of fibrogenesis in the liver in a situation of uh, disease or injuries. So again, that tool allows me to uh, answer a simple question about the signature that I found uh, in, in, uh, by analyzing the upstream regulator analysis. I can ask the same question to a more complex network. This is what we call a regulator effects. Why do we say that? Because we have the regulators on the top, which are the upstream regulator predicted to be activated or inhibited, and the effects are here. That's the biological processes that are predicted to be activated in the case, and all of that is based on the junction with these data set, uh, molecules in, in the data set that are all happen to be upregulated here. Uh, many of you will recognize them. So this is a network that uh, basically ties the, the inductor, the conductor of expression, and the downstream processes. That particular network is involved, as you say, as you, you can tell, in metabolism of terpenoid and synthesis of steroid. And I ask the same question. Where do I find that signature? In what other conditions? Remember, we were dealing in a human fetal liver, supposedly healthy, uh, no known disease so far. We are asking the question where that exact inverse signature happened, right? So I look at the left, and now we were lucky enough that that particular network uh, uh, scanned over almost 70,000 analyses. So I'm asking the question by selecting this green point here. Where is the inverse signature of that particular regulator effects that I've seen, that I've uh, shown here? Same things. Remember, it's about enrichment of keywords. So we ask the metadata and we look at what is the most significant. What is the most significant in that particular 
network here, when you look at the question of what is inverse, is in fact everything pathologically uh, um, uh, conditions that are known to be liver carcinoma, NASH, and so on, or other liver-related keywords such as atherosclerosis. So basically, the pattern that we have seen in a healthy liver, when you look at the inverse, you find that pattern in condition where the liver is sick, either by cancer or many other uh, situations like obesity. So that network allow me to distinguish between a healthy and unhealthy tissue. That's just one example. And I just ask one question, right? You can ask many more. Finally, I'm going to look at that analysis match. So now I'm going to compare my hepatocyte versus others to 90,000 other data sets that we have curated and imported from Omicsoft. And the combination with the finding we have in our knowledge graph is very powerful too. And we are going to compare these upstream regulators, these canonical pathways, and we may look at disease and function as well. So here we are looking at the pattern of predictions in comparison to my hepatocyte versus other analysis. So I set up a complete arbitrary Z-score. Um, I, I don't need to go in detail. There is much more information on the software. But basically, I wanted to have a, a high enough level of similarity, which is indicated by the magenta color in terms of usage of the pathways, upstream and disease and function, or dissimilarity for the same features that I just mentioned. And I have selected one particular land that I could is the new single cell land. So I'm going to ask the questions, my signature of hepatocyte versus other, what does it look like or is it different to what? Well, this is the heat map. So I have selected all these different uh, uh, analyses that sometimes mimic, sometimes do not mimic the usage or are different, are a, a, a very uh, dissimilar pattern. And this is the heat map for the canonical pathways uniquely. This is the hepatocyte versus, other that, versus others that I have uh, selected. And here you can realize there is two gigantic clusters, one here, one here. That cluster, which encompasses my hepatocytes versus other analysis, uh, indicate that these different pathways in the metabolic situations are predicted to be activated, right? And they are activated in hepatocytes, but also some other cells, such as, if you look at the metadata here, intestinal epithelial transit amplifying cell cells, or epidermal keratocytes. So in these three different types, all these pathways are, for some reason, predicted to be activated. On the other clusters here, all these pathways are predicted to be inhibited. If you search the metadata that are tied to, connected to these different uh, analysis realize that they're all immune cells, NK, NKT, and T cell, and some endothelial cells. So basically, the analysis that I've done here allows me just looking at the pathways to determine an opposite metabolic signature between obviously immune cells and hepatocytes and some others. So it's very nice to do that. If you go further and you select this time just the upstream regulator, do we have the same difference? And the answer is yes. You have a cluster here on the right that include our hepatocyte and some other cells that are indicated here, and another cluster in which these upstream mainly are predicted to be inhibited. These 
include cells such as NK, NK till Kupfer, and some other endothelia. So using the analysis match allows me to quickly uh, differentiate the hepatocytes from any other cell types, just looking at canonical pathway signature and upstream regulator signatures. So I went a little bit further, and I said, why not putting all these different uh, pathways, 13 of them, on a network? That's what I've done here. And I use the tool Connect, and they're all connect to each other. Obviously, they are part of the same uh, topic. They, they have a, a, a similar function, or at least they converge to um, uh, give a particular function to the hepatocytes. So here I mimic the color of what you see here activated in hepatocyte by red. And those that are not uh, activated, such as the PML, which is predicted to be inhibited, I mimic that in green, just a, a, a painting bucket that we have. So all these uh, transcription factors, one is not shown, there are two, they are all connected to each other. And the beauty is we can ask the question, what are the other functions they are connected to? So I showed two functions in which uh, the, um, they, we predict they are inhibited, the glucose metabolism disorders and the liver tumor are predicted to be decreased when these guys act like that, up and down. And the metabolism of cholesterol and differential hepatocytes are predicted to be activated as well. So by looking for that particular heat map uh, analysis match, you obtain two heat maps, one at the clinical pathway level, one at the action regulator. It allows you to um, determine the different signature of hepatocyte versus any other cell type. You are able to quickly give a network. You are able to quickly um, add some pertinent function or statistically significant functions, right? And I went a little bit further because we have all these technology, the UMAP, on the right and the lens that we have uh, in our IPA repository. I look at the expression of one of the main factors, hepatocyte nuclear factor 4 alpha here, which is in the center. Where is it expressed? It's heavily expressed using GTEx lens in the liver. No surprise here, very nicely, but it's expressed in other tissue, maybe the kidney as well here and some of the pancreas. That particular transcription factor is as well highly expressed in our uh, hepatocyte cluster that is uh, shown here in green. So it's very nice connections. I wanted to go one step further and see where that particular transcription factor um, and what is the type of induction or regulation he has in different diseases related to the liver. And you can tell that that transcription factor is upregulated in some of the conditions uh, that affect the liver per se, either cancer or NASH or, or other situations. Right? And all of that is at my disposal by just one click away. Very, very easy. I don't need to go any further. So here, that slide, uh, this is one of the final slides. I just wanted to uh, show you that in our um, team, we are always exploring uh, new avenues um, for um, determining what is the biology and how can we push a little further the compression of what we have in our data set. Obviously, one of the things that we this is not implemented, we are thinking about it, maybe we will implement it, but it's to, uh, in a time of single cell analysis, highlighting the connection between these single cell types. So I've shown here the uh, Kupfer cell, M1 macrophage, the hepatocyte. They're all tied to each other by these upstream regulators, and we can highlight the different color in red, those that are uh, activated and shared between two cell types. Those that are uh, um, uh, different uh, regulation, different prediction between two cell types are shown in green and so on. So it's one type of visibility that we are thinking about it because you look at the upstream regulator effect, you look at their uh, uh, 
prediction activity. You can uh, understand what is the regulator on one cell type. You can um, um, look possibly some mutation. We are thinking about that, highlighting some of the mutation in the single cells and many other things. So it's just an idea we have. Uh, and I think we, uh, we are um, pushing in that direction to really implement new exploration of the biology. So in conclusions, what, what did we do here in, in, in simple hours and in using our single cell analysis module in CLC and IPN and Explorer? We can identify some of the biological clusters, right? We can look at some of the upstream regulator and the pathways of importance, and we can uh, quickly determine uh, the cell-specific signature that we have uh, in our analysis. So I think it's a very, very powerful set of software that allows you to do all of that. And you don't need any bioinformatic background. I'm not a bioinformatician. I'm a biologist, and I use that very easily. And finally, uh, we have a, a, a created a group called Project Insight inside the Digital Insight uh, uh, business area. Uh, we have uh, tried to explore also other way and implementing machine learning algorithms to go a little further. And uh, I strongly um, recommend that you guys uh, read that new uh, peer review paper that has been accepted uh, in uh, uh, March or May, uh, March and um, or April, and that has been released in BMC Bioinformatics. And that uh, paper will explain to you uh, what is the machine learning algorithm we use and how we can quickly, for instance, understanding the relationship between the viral protein of the SARS-CoV-2 and different functions and different genes and their predictions together. I think it's a powerful uh, uh, ideas that we have um, explored uh, and uh, has been successfully uh, published. On that note, uh, I just show you that last slide where you can uh, quickly go and find all the links and all the phone numbers to ask questions, to look for uh, uh, webinars, and many other things. So um, I uh, thank you all, and I hope you have enjoyed that uh, webinar um, very much. Thank you. Okay, great. Thank you, John Noel, for that uh, really interesting presentation. So uh, we have about 10 minutes left, and we can go ahead and use the rest of the time to answer any questions that you might have. Again, please go ahead, and you can use the Ask Question panel on the left side of your screen to submit any questions. Okay, so um, the first question that we have is, uh, how is data stored for CLC? <laughs> data store. So um, I've shown you, so it's easy for me because I have an S3 bucket, so all my data are on that S3 bucket in the cloud. So, um, but you can, you, you don't need the cloud. You can, you can store that on your laptop. If the file are, um, um, if you have enough space, you can uh, store that in your data, in your uh, laptop for the fastq file. Um, and, and that's it. So I hope okay. it answered the question. If, Yep, I think so. If not, uh, feel free to send a follow-up and we can expand some more on it. Okay, the next question that we have is, how do you deal with the data-driven bias in the curated database or its proposed interaction? Um, 
To be honest, I don't understand the question. What uh, the um, attendees means by bias here? Okay, let me see. Just got in. Okay, um, so for the person who submitted that, if you wouldn't mind maybe expanding on um, your idea of bias, and we can follow up on that. Okay, so I see the next question. Um, Sean Noel, I'm not sure if you'll you can handle this. Um, if not, I can. Um, next is, do you plan to provide a practical webinar on how to use the system? So there is, a, uh, first of all, multiple webinar that's going to be released. And uh, we have a strong uh, customer support that uh, do this training. And I'm sure uh, some will be planned. Mary, you can probably add some information on that. Yep, that was what I was going to say, is that we regularly do um, training webinars with our field application scientist team. And in just a minute, once I grab the link, I can actually send out the link to everybody for our page where we post all of our upcoming webinars, including our training webinars. Okay. okay. Sorry, just taking a look at look at the questions um so the next question is um about your presentation um and i know you started out with a few questions and i wanted to know a little bit about how did you come up with the questions that you addressed during your presentation how do i come up with the question i ask uh, meaning the first slide where i'm, I'm uh, why do we explore single cell um, mm -hmm. Right, that's the, uh, um, it, it's, it's a kind of <laughs> strange questions because uh, as a biologist, I need to explore and I know the single cell um, is a, a new technology that allows us to, for instance, explore continuous phenotype within a, a, a tissue, the spatial context, the different cell type and the different cell states. The paper they have that I use as a base uh, and public data set um, uh, was exploring the evolutions of the different uh, compartment of hematopoietic and non-hematopoietic in the development of the liver. So I thought the question was, why don't we ask simply what are the cell types and how they are related to each other? That was as, uh, as simple as that for, for that. But again, the paper is answering much more, and I really recommend to do that. What I wanted to, to tell you today is, finally, how easy it is uh, than when the software are well adapted, and this is the case here, to answer these very complex questions. Um, uh, and, and that's it. So I thought that the tool allow us to explore the biology, in particular the pathways, or, or what we call the driver, the upstream regulators, and many other questions. I just selected that for the simplification of the talk today. I can, I can ask many more questions as, as uh, all biologists do. Okay, great, thank you. Okay, so um, we just got in a follow-up to that, the earlier question on um, the data bias, it's data-driven bias. 
Um, so to expand on that a bit, how do you blind yourself in the data mining process? You may have your own bias in choosing what data to go on, et cetera. What parameters do you value the most when choosing interesting targets? <laughs> That's a very complicated <laughs> on, a question that I am not sure I can answer in two minutes, but if the uh, attendees is saying, uh, when I select some of the cell type of some of the marker, is there any process that is biased? The answer is yes. The, the issue is uh, the biology that you analyze thereafter could not be biased. So we have tools and technology, and the Z-score is one of them, and many other things, the, the p-value of enrichment, that will allow you to tell you if the question you have asked or the, or the driver you see or the process you see are pertinent or not. But it, it's very awkward um, to, I, I don't know what it means because the, in the liver here in that particular question, there was 27 type that has been identified, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's very subjective because it's based on the biomarker or the gene marker you have. You can calculate uh, the different marker and the most variable marker between cell type. All of that, you can do that. Uh, at the end of the road, it's still your expertise that combine the final say, right? You, you are an expert in the liver, you are an expert in particular gene marker, you are sure and you have identified that in your lab and to a particular uh, uh, association cell type and markers, and that's what you are going to find. That's your own bias here. Here, I try to be as unbiased as possible. I just let go the V1 classifi uh, classifier that we have to identify cell type. And based on some of the knowledge, I retrain the system to make sure we are talking about the right cells. Uh, in that particular case, there was some uh, conventional dendritic cell uh, type 2 and type 1. Very, very difficult, even the literature right now say it's very difficult to determine which one is what, right? The markers vary between papers. So um, obviously the whole biology is somewhat uh, um, very hard to, to make, a, a, you know, yes, no answers. Uh, it's just, a, a, just a, you know, evaluation based on your expertise. I hope I can answer that. And if the person wants to uh, um, have a, a, a call, I have no problem, we can talk and maybe we can uh, explain uh, each other better uh, if the person wants. Okay, great, thank you. Um, and for anyone who would like to talk to us more in depth about anything, we're happy to, we love having these science conversations. Um, if you look at the bottom of your webinar screen, you'll see the blue icons and the one that has an envelope on it is a contact us. If you do have anything that you wanna discuss uh, more in depth, feel free to go ahead and shoot us an email and we'll follow up with you directly. Okay, um, and then our next question is related to uh, different data types. So there are a lot of different kinds of data and many different types of analysis that you have to do, especially with single cell studies. Do you need to define a different data type for the computation that'll take care of different cell types? Um, so here it's transcriptomics, right? So it's a fast Q file. It's RNA-seq. I've just looked at RNA-seq here. 
if it's the cell type, if the data okay. type. And that is processed using the CLC. So FASQ5, mm -hmm. an alignment, you select your gene model, uh, then you ex then you extract the different uh, differential expression analysis and you send that to IPA. But the data at the beginning is FASQ file and it's ARENASIC. Okay. And on kind of a related note, um, are there any issues or can you make any comments on curating data from different sources, uh, particularly if they're not in similar formats? Well, I think this question needs to be answered by the proper team that I can't necessarily answer that. Um, the, it, it's, a, it's a bigger question. In okay. our uh, Kaizen knowledge graph, uh, it's, it's a thing that has been, a database has been curated for the last 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we basically, there's a gigantic process, but basically we have a set of uh, um, a huge group of uh, PhD scientists, reads papers, and according to what we call a okay, K pro protocol, extract meaningful information, which we call findings. These findings uh, include contextual and directional uh, information that are very key for us to be able uh, to predict a particular type of activity, an inhibition, uh, a decrease, uh, and so on. And all of that is in our knowledge base in uh, well-structured in order for the tool like IPA to be able to retrieve the corresponding finding uh, that, are, that is pertinent based on the data set that has been processed. Um, but again, the curation is a far bigger question than... Uh, um, I don't want to answer here. Um, uh, I think there is many more uh, webinars that can probably um, go in more detail in that. Um, what I can tell you, it's a gigantic process, very accurate. It's updated regularly and uh, it's edited. So if something is wrong, we remove, we add new informations and it's a perpetual uh, motion. And that is our base of our, the power of our technology here because IPA is able to retrieve this finding that I showed when you lose analysis match, for instance, and, 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 and connect the two together and say, okay, this is what we see here. IKT1 force correlate uh, that particular gene in that particular tissue uh, at that particular moment. We can do that one. That's, uh, but again, curation, it's a much bigger topic that I didn't develop here. Okay, great. Thank you, Jean-Noël. And that brings us to um, the very end of our time. So I'll go ahead and start wrapping up. I'd like to thank our speaker, Dr. Jean-Noël Bio, and also everyone in the audience for your attention. And once again, for your patience and understanding with the technical issue that we had last week. We hope that you found this presentation informative. We will be sending a link to a recording of it out. Uh, that should go out tomorrow. If you have any remaining questions, don't hesitate to contact us. We'll be happy to talk more in depth about anything. So thank you again for attending today's session on From Data to Biological Insight using Kyogen CLC single cell module and Kyogen IPA, single cell sequencing of human fetal liver. And we look forward to seeing you again mm -hmm. at our future webinars. So thanks and I hope you have a good rest of your day.